Well, my handkerchief's up there. I need that. Would you join with me as I pray for myself this morning? Father, I know you know my thoughts are far off before I even think them. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. You know when I'm honest before you and when I'm duplicitous. And as much as I know my heart, as much as I can know it, I don't want anything to happen today but what you planned. I have no desire to work the crowd. I have no desire, O oh Lord, for there to be uh, uh, emotionalism. But, O oh Lord, this is what I know of you. One word from heaven will shatter a thousand lies. One word from heaven, O oh Lord, will fill our sails with wind, strengthen feeble knees, cause us to, to change perspectives and ideals and, and direction. Speak to us, O oh Lord, this morning by your spirit and by your word into the deepest part of who we are. And I depend upon your anointing today, O oh Lord, for this to be done. And I pray it so in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. On any given week, your pastor talks to people who are experiencing a litany of different problems. And I don't mean that focused on me, I mean that focused on them. I love what I do. I get to do that with you, and uh, it's, it's a, a joy. But the, the burden for your burden sometimes is very, very heavy. Because if I empathize, and those of you in nursing, you know if you empathize with each room, by the time you're done, there's so much sorrow, there's so much need, and if you could, you just would fix. And I struggle as a pastor sometimes because I don't want to be the pastor that gets the phone call and you dispense scripture, and I'm not minimizing scripture, but dispense it like a ticker tape, you know, a little piece, apply that, and you're fine. Because sometimes the person can quote the scripture that you have. And I want you to know, I want you to know that the sufferings in your home, the sufferings in your body, the groaning of your spirit to take upon your new resurrection body and to be home with Christ, the lack, the limitation, the weaknesses, the physical uh, maladies, the relational difficulties, it's not only among all the brethren, it's increasing in this last hour. The refining fires of the Lord are turned up because he's, it's the last moments and he's wanting that carrot to go from 10 carat to 14 carat. And the enemy's turning it up because he knows at a certain temperature others will fall away from the faith. You're not alone. You're not alone in your struggles. You're not alone in your doubts. You're not alone in your failures. You're not alone in your sins. But we continue on. We continue on because our vows to God are, are binding. We continue on because we are grateful. We continue on because of the spirit of, of God beats in our chest and woos us forward. We continue on because of our testimony that we've given to other people. The people we've poured into. We persevere. And I want you to know this morning that it is okay to be tired in the natural realm and in the spiritual realm. Did you know the world is run by tired people? Sometimes we get tired of being married. We get tired of going to work. We get tired. It seems like if this, you know, Paul said it the best. He said, if we have hope in this world only, we are the most miserable people that ever lived. So you, 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 know, you spend all of your health to try to obtain wealth. And as you get older, you spend all your accumulated wealth to try to buy back your health, and then you die. Where do we sign up? And Christians, if they're not allowed to experience the gamut of Christian life, 
If they're not allowed to live in the lows and say they're low, if they're not allowed to doubt and say they doubt, if they're not allowed to struggle, if they're not allowed to fail, I love it that Jesus told Simon, he said, Simon, you're going to deny you ever knew me. He said, I will not. I will not. And he said, before tomorrow morning, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And he said, now, the devil has asked for you, Simon. The devil's asked for you to sift you like wheat. See, God sifts us to bring that which is good to the forefront. The devil sifts us to diminish us. And winnow us away into nothing, in nothingness. He's, and look at this. He said, Simon, the devil has desired you, and you're going to fail. Simon, you've got to learn how to fail. And here's how you fail. It's not a license to sin. It's when it happens. Simon, you need to know that I've prayed for you that your faith won't fail. You'll fail, but your faith won't fail. You'll struggle, but I'm not struggling. You may feel alone, but in your loneliest times, I'm the nearest to you. Simon, you don't know how secure you are. He that began the good work in you, Simon, you're not going to be defined by the failure. You're going to be defined by the invitation, the inhabitation, the equipping and the calling of God on your life. Simon, I'm going to change your name, but you've got to learn to fail. And there's some people that... You failed the Lord. Well, call it what it is in its fullness. Call it by all the horrible names. Repent of it and allow the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, to cleanse you from all sin. And scrub your conscience and start anew. But what do you do when you're so discouraged that you feel like you're a ghost? We who are authentic, we don't want to be fake to people. You ever tried to answer fine and your eyes are just dead? How you doing? All right. And they're going, you know, then you get a Facebook message later, praying for you. They just, you know. Well, we don't have to tell everyone everything, but you have to learn to, you have to learn to walk with God through it all. And it's the oil of the Holy Spirit. It's the oil of the Holy Spirit. It's a lubricant for not just your soul, but your mind and your body that causes you to be able to navigate through the tightest of places and continue on. The oil of the Holy Spirit that just reduces the friction of disappointment and discouragement and anxiety and loss and all the gears of life are clicking together and the Holy Spirit, that oil comes between it and it lubricates it. It's the Word of God that is your anchor. It's the Word of God that is your strength. It's your belief system. This is the victory that overcometh the whole world. If it happened in the world, this is the victory that overcomes it. Your faith in God. The Bible says, when speaking of the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, sword of the Spirit, and does your Bible say, above all? Above all. What, which piece did he say? Above all. Take the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all, not some, not most, but all of the fiery darts of the enemy. So this fiery arrow, wrapped in leather, under the point, dipped in oil, lit and shot if that fiery dart hits your home and the fire catches, everything connected to where the arrow hits is destroyed. If it connects to a shield uh, of wood or, or, or consumable nature, it will burn up the shield. But the shield of faith, the Bible says, has a dynamic, a spiritual ingredient that extinguishes all components of destruction. See, we go through persecution, but we're not, we don't go through destruction. Nothing eternal can be lost. And the devil says, you are unloved by God. And that arrow hits. That means we feel it. What do you do when your feelings contradict what you know about God? 
I know he loves me, but I don't feel loved. I know he's near, but I don't feel that he's near. I know he's in control, but it sure don't look like he's control up in here. I know that God is for me, but it doesn't feel like he's for me. When that arrow hits, you pull that out and quote the word of God. I know it doesn't look like he's for me. But he, God, did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for me. And since he delivered him up for me, shall he not now freely give me everything else that I need? God doesn't love, love me. Doesn't love me. While I was enemies, he reconciled me to himself by the death of his son. He has loved me with an everlasting love. He's forever married to this backslider. He has gone to prepare a place for me. And when he comes back, he wants to receive me unto himself. Because where he is, he wants me to be. Doesn't love me. That faith. See, we're trying to change the emotions. Let the emotions roll on. God did not call us to psychology. And I'm not demeaning it, but that's not my calling. He's called us to revelation. And sometimes the emotions are slow to catch up. But your mind is supposed to be sharp. The Bible tells you, cast down every vain thought that vaunts itself against the knowledge of God. Who you know God to be. It sure don't feel like he's near. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So either my feelings or the word is wrong. So somebody's lying. And being that God doesn't lie, I guess that leaves my feelings. So I have, we've got to learn. I have to learn how to feel alone and know I'm not alone. To feel like God's not in control. To groan in my spirit for the days when this corruption will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. And then she'll be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up into victory. And we will be able to look at the devil, death, hell, and the grave and say, where is your sting? Where is your victory? We're delivered. But until that day, we're despised, we're unknown, we're maligned, we're mocked. We feel weak. We feel feeble. And you have to cross over and stop thinking that salvation was your will and your responsibility. Now, we play a part. The Bible said we are made partakers of Christ if we continue steadfast into the end. What's my role? Continue. Continue in the grace of God. Continue in the work of God. Continue in the plan of God. Continue in the power of God. What does that mean? Just keep moving, baby. Keep moving towards heaven. And God will finish the work. We are not trying to be saved. We are saved. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. I'm not trying to be a son. I am a son. We are not working towards salvation. We're working from salvation. The Bible said, Beloved, now we're the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, which means we don't know yet what all it's going to look like. What's it going to feel like? But when we get home, it's going to be like bursting through the canal of a womb into such resplendent glory that if your life was dependent upon oxygen, you would die. I remember 1987, I was a youth pastor at Northside Assembly of God. I'd been saved about a year. A lot of wisdom flowed from that pulpit, I promise you. It was like, stop doing that, you'll go to hell. That was my favorite sermon. Stop doing that, you'll go to hell. You don't want to go to hell, do you? I remember going with my pastor to uh, a hospital. He would allow me to go sometimes with him. A lot of the time I was just sent to the hospital, but I got to go with him. And I went to visit a lady named Grace, Grace Atkins, precious, sweet lady. Uh, she was, I don't, she wasn't in a coma. Well, I, she was comatose. She did not know you were there. They said, she's not there, but she was there. So not on life support, but just 
not moving, not responding for months and months and months. And we would go and visit different people at different times. And on this particular time, I remember because I've never, oh, I can tell you just like it was yesterday, and it was 100 years ago, 87, long time ago. Pastor read some verses, and he began to sing, and he had a great voice. Listen, I got a good voice, but I'm limited in my range. You in my key, baby, I can go. You leave my key, I go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he would come near my key, and I'd chime in, and I'd give him a little background, a little falsetto, I'd, you know, a little moan, I'd, and he'd leave my key, and I'd just pray. And so we had, we had read the scriptures, and we had sang, and I would not dare exaggerate at any time, much less today, to prove a point. This is how it happened. We were trying to minister to her. She died. And I can tell you how she died. I can tell you how I knew she died. For months, she had never moved her hand. She sat up in that bed. She goes, beautiful. And I see the son seated next to God. And she fell on her bed and died. As soon as she said beautiful, I fell on my face. I was scared to move that I might be smitten by God's power. Judged like I'd walked in on somebody's bedroom. What I want to tell you is that as she was dying, her spirit man glimpsed something in the next life that superseded natural, biological, physical laws here, quickened her. And coherent, back, lucid, tr- uh, could articulate. So beautiful. And it's right on the other side of the veil. It's right there, Jeff. And all we got to do is continue. Just continue. You got to keep praying. You have to keep believing. You have to keep walking. You got to keep trusting. You have to keep going. And listen, if, if, if continuing was easy, more people would finish. And if overcoming was easy, there'd be more overcomers. Yes, Pastor John, you ever feel like quitting? Are you kidding me? Well, you're a preacher. I'm John. I feel like quitting when I, especially when I fail. You know, you think you preach 30 years, you ought to be able to obey. You know, just some basic things like that. I told my little kids yesterday, and Kelly brought them all outside. And I do this all the time, but I took it a step further. Uh, I said, now, Daddy just spoke in an improper way. I just want little pockets of organization in my house. Can y'all feel me? Just, just, just. No, I'm not talking about Kelly. No, um, you're going to pray for me. You're going to say, John needs to get straight. This is why I'm telling this. It ain't about nobody else. So I get in my little gator. I'm going to get something done. I'm trying to, I'm working on my sermon, which didn't get, I did my Sunday night, y'all, I got notes for days tonight. So I'm doing my stuff. I hop in my gator. I go six inches, and a mason jar falls out. Glass goes everywhere in the driveway. And I'm like, can I have 18 inches of organized? And I'm like, ah! And it, Olivia told me that. She goes, you know when you do that sound? What sound? Ah! I'm like, at least I'm not cussing. That's what I'm thinking, you know? That's, I'm thinking, I'm the man up in here because I wanted to. So I sweep all the glass up, and, you know, they're over there talking. Daddy doesn't like chaos. I'm like, so I sweep all my glass up. So I brought, I go off. I don't get, y'all know how this is. You don't get 100 feet, and the Lord goes, go back and apologize to everybody. Yep, yep. So I go back. Good little Christian. I go back. Kelly's outside and the kids. I say, you know how Daddy tells you all the time that that attitude is not acceptable. And the way you spoke is not acceptable. And I do this all the time. I said, there is no reason for daddy to have spoke that way. You know, the fruit of the spirit is self-control. So if there's no self-control, that means there's no active spirit. That's a whole nother sermon. So will you all forgive me? And I make a, mama, will you forgive me? Izzy, will you forgive me? And I did something yesterday I've never done before. I always tease them about tanning the tea, honey. Tanning the tea, honey. And I'll just do four or five little ones to let them know that there's a big one in there. You know, so I'm going to tan it. 
and I go, and they're trying to decide, I think that hurt, oh, oh, oh. you know, and they're assessing. I said, okay, y'all, tan daddy's tea, honey. <laughs> it was Christmas morning. They were hitting me with sticks, shovels, a rake, hairbrush, dog brush. I was, I'm tan. I'm like a little sensitive back here, you know. My point is, there comes a time in every, not life, but situation where quit looks good, where the mountains are unclimbable and the rivers are uncrossable and the destination is just so far away. Have you ever felt like you're walking towards heaven and he keeps backing it up, and keeps backing up, all those feelings, but see, we don't talk about those because you're supposed to be people of faith. My faith is not expressed by my lack of feelings. My faith is expressed by not being controlled by them. That's where my faith. So you keep on. You persevere. Press on. Be faithful. I brought you just a couple of things to, it's been, oh, great day, nine years since I shared it with you. Just on the journey. And some of you, you know, we all have, all God's chilling got problems. Everybody got problems. And it's not, you know, I hate telling people my problems outside of this arena because people play poker. You know, so my, my, my wife's mad at me. I don't have a wife. And they always trump, you know, you know, I lost a leg. I ain't got no legs. You can't, you can't win. So I'm not trying, I know there are people that have other things worse, but none of us are strangers to sorrow. And when my wife of 15 years left, and uh, again, don't you ever say anything disparaging about her. If you do, you're my enemy. So just having said that, I felt, felt, and these were legitimate. I felt like such a failure. My marriage failed. So preacher, you're going to preach, you're going to export what didn't work at home. I'm doing all this in my head, okay? And I got to a point where those were facts that I need, you know, even though it was not my idea, I'm responsible and God hates hates divorce and I wear a D around my neck okay. so that's the reality I repented the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleansed me from all sin but have you ever drug around something that you've been forgiven of see it doesn't matter that the emancipation proclamation is signed if you don't know it because the master of the slave ain't going to tell you and I started to, God's grace was on me. He sustained me. Y'all were good to me. My peers couldn't believe that the church didn't string me up. You know, but we walked it together. The church grew. We planted other churches. But I was struggling with who am I? And I don't know if I have the vocabulary to share this correctly with you or to the depth. But, you know, we each have one or two, three things that are the core of who we are. It's just core. I have always felt like I was God's boy. I just did. I just, when I got saved, I'm like, he likes y'all. He loves me. That's the, that's the way I felt. I'm t I don't mean that, that I was better. I never thought I was better than you. I thought I was preferred. Like, bless his heart. Come in, John. I, I did. I could preach you about the prodigal son and people... It happened my whole ministry. Men who had never given their life to Christ, ever, 40, 50 years old, 60, 70, 80, walked the aisle and come get saved because I was talking to them as the boy that God loved. And when this happened, I lost that. I still was able to preach to you. I preached truth. I preached honesty. I preached the word. But when you lose who you are, and I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but you losing who you are. You used to be a nightingale, and now you don't sing anymore. There's a drape over your birdcage, and you don't. You will sing, but not like 
You don't sing no more. Some of you used to be joyful and you're not joyful. Core part of who you were, you were trusting and now you're not trusting anymore. And we pride ourselves in knowing how we lost it and do not actively engage to get it back because the things that God gives us, the gifts and calls of God are without repentance. And I'd lost it. I just could not see my... I would tell him, I said, I just don't feel like your boy anymore. That was the truth. Was I his son? Yes. Did I know it? Yes. It's not enough to know it if you don't live in it. It's not enough to know it if you don't live in it. And I said, you got to help me. I'm trying. I'm trying to cross over. I want... I know what your word says, but it is not my experience today. That's the way I worded it. It's not my experience. Help me to get there, God. I'm not asking for... Uh, a miracle, I just, I can't get there. Oh, you are never in a safer place than when you tell God, I can't get there from here. You are never in a more uh, empowering uh, position. You never have a greater odds than when you say, God, I can't get there from here. You got, you got to help me. Not just I can't get there. You got to help me. You got to help me. So, I get a phone call from a guy that I had spoken to once since 1989. I leave him nameless. We were never close friends. I liked him, good guy, you know. Uh, the last I'd seen him was part of a church split uh, where part of the church went this way and we were on different sides of who we thought was right, but I never, I never had a conflict with him. I didn't, I didn't have any problem with him. So I get a call one morning out of the blue. And can I say this? Mama Sheila, where are you? God's suddenlies. See, the Bible says that those that love him cry out to him day and night, and he bears long with them. What does that mean? It means you... There's a long gap sometimes between the crying out and the change. But he said, shall not God avenge his home which cry out to him day and night? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. It doesn't mean he does it quickly when they pray. It says when he does it, be ready. Suddenly, you wake up one morning and everything changes. You don't know what happened between you went to bed and that. So... I've got a suddenly coming. And let me tell you what I've learned about suddenlies. You don't see them coming till they're here. You don't chart suddenlies. I'm feeling like in the next two months, God, no. You, they just on you. And they take your breath away. So this guy calls me. He said, hey, Brother John. And I'm thinking, who is it? You know how you do the Rolodex? Trying to place you. Uh, yes, this is Brother Wood. You know. Uh, and he gave me his name. And he said, can I come see you? This is confessing your faults one with another. When I hear from somebody I ain't heard from in a long time, I'm like, what did I do? That's my, you know, do I got to apologize again for something I don't remember doing? I'm being honest. Uh, sh sure, come on. And I hung up the phone. I'm like, Jesus, please. You know, uh, I'll tell you, uh, this is free, by the way. Help me to remember this back here. Here's how you diffuse all of that. Every time. Every time. Let them say everything about you. Tell them what's true and then tell them what's not. I, you know, and I've done this. People are just 30 minutes and tell me off. And I said, are you done? And they said, yeah. I said, well, none of what you said is true. But I am so much worse than you ever imagined. Would you pray for me that I'd be a better Christian and kneel in front of them? They'll pray some demonic prayer over you. And then you're good. And it's the truth. I might not be guilty of what you say, but I'm way worse. Let's don't bring up what's covered under the blood. So does it offend you they say that? No, they didn't hit on the big ones. I'm good. We good? We good? I'm good. So I'm going through the motions. I'm pushing through. Have you ever been so soul tired, soul tired, that you're bouncing emotional checks? You know how you're supposed to be with your children, so you're trying to be that but it's not there, but you do it anyway. The kindness, 
the patience, the goodness. And what happens is when you start bouncing checks, they're fees. Have you ever paid a $50 service charge for a $5 check? And you went, this is ridiculous. And the fees add up and they start showing up in your marriage, your home, your countenance, your words, your mannerisms. And if you don't have a good friend that loves you enough to tell you, you will spiral into unconquerable debt. Well, luckily for me, with my plethora of weaknesses, that wasn't one of them. I would just tell people, so how you doing? I'm about to die. I just, I remember one time upstairs, and this is, y'all are going to be so encouraged about your pastor after this. She said, oh, Pastor Wood, I'm so glad I see you. Now, this is during horrible, no sleep, depression, praying through, preaching. Ah, I've got so much to dump on you. I took her by the hands. How long me and you done life together? She told me, and I said, I don't have anything to give you right now, but I, and I don't have any capacity to care for you right now, but I'm going to go find somebody that can. And I walked off. So she's standing there with her hands like this. I came back, put Beth White's hands in hers, and said, you're good. <laughs> See, I'm not going to leave you without help. I just didn't have, so I'm, I'm empty. And I get a phone call from this guy, can I come see you? And I'd just been through months of, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm sorry what I turned out to be. I'm just sorry how, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I'm such a disappointment over and over and over and over and over. And by telling you this story, I believe the Lord wants you to apply this story as if it were you. He's giving you a word. Do you understand? A word from the Lord can come second person. It can be God telling you. So here I am, barely hanging on. This guy I haven't seen in 89. I can't. You do the math. Long time. And so he comes in with this. And I'm thinking, you know, if they're Pentecostal enough, I'm like, I'm never going to get this out of my hair. That's, what, <laughs> that's my first thought. The Lord told me to pour this whole thing. On. Does anybody else do that? But I didn't, I didn't show it in my face. I'm like, praise the Lord. Just come on in. So he sat down and he said, last night, yesterday afternoon, I'm sorry, the Lord's spirit was so strong on me. And he said, have you considered my servant, John Wood? I'm like, he ain't thought about me in 20-something years, nor have I him to any degree. And he said, John, as clear as a bell, the Lord told me to go find the biggest container of olive oil that I can find. He said, if I could have found a 50-gallon drum, I would have brought it to you. And so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm waiting. It's like, you know, your feelers are so dead, but you're like, is this the Lord? Is this the Lord? Is this the Lord? And that man, you could say 25 years ago maybe that because it was a church split and we're on different sides, there was enemy, uh, opposite, you know. I never had any personal with him. But he came to me and said, the Lord wanted me to tell you that you're still his king. And it just broke. He was not bragging about me. David was his king. David was an adulterer. David was a liar. David numbered the people. David was carnal. David sinned. It wasn't that David was great. It was that David was God's. And I heard from this man that you're still the Lord's. He's not forgot about you. You're his. And he wanted me to give this to you as a symbol that he's anointed you for the ministry and with all that's happened to you and all that you've lost and all this, the failures John you have not changed in his eyes and this has sat in my office ever since and on the down days I just look up and I say still yours still mine am I still messed up really bad <laughs> but you're mine you're mine you're mine Some of us have forgotten who we are. We don't feel like the daughter anymore. We don't feel like the son. We don't feel like he delights in us. 
because you've confused performance with position. And yes, performance is important because you cannot stay near him in rebellion. But when performance falls short and it's repented of, it's removed. How does the Lord see you today? Imagine a drape dropped between God and you, a blood drape, the blood of Christ. And he sees through that drape, he sees perfect. But on this side of the drape, we ain't perfect. I know, John, that's why it's called imputed righteousness. Not produced, imparted. And we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, John, if God loves me, then what is all this? What is this weight about? What is this crucible about? What are these unanswered prayers about? Why am I exerting this amount of effort and receiving this amount of result? It's the breaking of you. We have been taught in church, hopefully not in this church. Now, we got too many cracked pots in this church. We've been taught in churches to polish your vessel, to impress. And Ben introduces the next singer, and Wanda's going to come and sing. Y'all bless the Lord for Wanda. And she comes up. She does the singer arm. And everybody, oh, we polished the pastor. He sits in an archaic chair. He's got the spirals that are higher. And the associate pastors have the smaller spirals. And we polish the vessel so that we can impress you. And God takes a ball-ping hammer and walks right up to the weakest spot and shatters us. So that this treasure that's in the earthen vessel can shine forth and they see more than the vessel. God will break you for his glory. God will cause your dreams to die to bring about his dreams in your life. That's why Abraham, his sacrifice of Isaac was so precious. He said, if this dies, God can bring him back. I got this letter a couple years ago. Y'all, anybody know my dear sister, Pat Leeper? Hopefully she's listening this morning. I love you, Pat. I miss you. She's homebound. Out of the blue, no fanfare, no hype. Just a God bomb waiting on you, you know. Oh, and when, you, when pastors get notes under the door. Oh, y'all don't know nothing about them. Especially if they're not signed. I saw that note under the door. I'm like, Jesus paid it all. I'm, I'm ready, you know. I'm ready to, it's like a guy goes in. What do you call the guys, the bomb diffusers? You know, I just want to go in with some holy water and throw it on there and say, <laughs> not so. Dear Pastor John, this pottery shard, and I've never shared this in church, by the way, years ago she kept, is over 2,500 years old. On my last visit to Israel, they let us pick up some of the shards on the side of Shiloh, where the old tabernacle stood. There were tens of thousands of broken bowls surrounding this place. As you know, people were given a portion of certain sacrifices back for their own food. However, the vessels that were used were considered holy, and they had to be broken. The vessels that they used were considered holy and had to be broken so that they could not be used again for earthly purposes. The shard has been in my jewelry box for 14 years. For some reason, before leaving for Sunday school, I stuck it in my pocket. I shared it with a few folks who came early in Sunday school. And after your sermon Sunday in the worship, the Lord told me to give it to you. And to tell you that your praise is accepted because the vessel is broken. There didn't seem to be an opportunity to give you the shard and explain after the service. I go to Bible study in the grill, so I hope this gets to you and it's acceptable to you. I hope it's acceptable to you. And to God, bless you, Pat. 
the answer to the question, anybody touches my shard, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. And I'll tell God you died of natural causes too. That's the hardest, one of the hardest things about our faith. If our worship team would come on up and Ben, just you play if you will. All of the worship team come up, all the singers. And could I ask this out of respect for the Lord? Would, would nobody leave early and say, well, I just came for the preaching. Would you just honor the Lord and let's stay? We're going to get out on time. Ain't nothing but rain waiting on you out there anyway. You know. One of the hardest things to understand is that God is showing his greatest love for you when he's sticking his thumbs through you. He did not, he, and you know when, you, when you're a mom and a dad, you see this stuff so clearly. He doesn't love me when he makes my life comfortable. He loves me when he puts me in a place to mature. That attitude ain't working. I told Izzy the other day, I said, I'm going to outlive you. I ain't giving. Now, I'm finite. I could die. God's eternal. He said, I'll outlive you. We're changing this. I'm rubbing that edge off of you. You will not die a worrier. I'm tired of your selfishness. I'm tired of your uh, love for money, and I am going to break you. I'll get this potter's wheel spinning so fast that you will feel absolutely out of control because you are. As a matter of fact, you've never been in control. And he shapes it. And if he doesn't make the shape he wants, whack, and he starts over. The good work that he's done in you, the work is on the wheel. It's his wheel, it's his house, it's his clay. He's doing a work on you. And the answer to your question is, I love you too much to leave you like you are. There's a, there's a wedding supper coming. You ain't dressed. You're not ready. Your attitudes aren't ready. Your affections aren't ready. When you see Christ, I want there to be nothing between you and him. Circumcised heart. I want heaven to be on your mind. I want the world to be a distant memory. And they've got too many connections, too many, picture a hot air balloon with little pieces of rope. Too many ropes, too many ropes. Is it an evil rope? It's a rope. You ever felt like God's just cutting away, cutting away, cutting away, cutting away? Well, when the trunk goes off and there's nothing holding you to the ground, I want to shoot up like a rocket. I don't know if the rapture is going to be a slow ascent. I want to be like a slingshot. I'm gone. Well, as a sermon goes, I don't know what to tell you. But maybe you heard that one thing, that God hadn't forgot you. Listen, God has a plan. God is working the plan, and God will finish the plan. I swear to you, based on his word, I swear it. Well, Brother John, we're not supposed, we're not supposed to take oaths, but based on his word, it's immutable. And he's in control. Well, it doesn't look like it. Well, you're looking at this parade through a knothole, and you're telling me what you see, but God looks from heaven and sees the beginning and the end, and he's doing things you don't know yet. I'll close with this part. Two things happened in my life where I died. You know what I mean by died? There's a part of you that just, just didn't come back. Mama, you know, they just don't come back. When my daddy died, I died. And I spent the next 13 years trying to figure out who I was. And when my wife left, I died. And that was not God's will. I just want to make, okay, it's not God's will. Having said that, with the broken pieces of shattered masculinity, spirituality, personality, finance, all of that, God gives me the most beautiful, godly woman. And we have children. Had I stayed, okay, 
and that was his will we'd have been childless what's what is the message the message is you keep seeing what you've lost and you have not yet seen eye hath not seen ear hath not heard neither has it entered into your heart the things that I've prepared for you because I love you I love you so expand expand your eyes pan out and see that God is in control God is in control, and I finish with this last two verses, Mark 4:35 and Mark 5:1. Trust me, you can look it up later. And Jesus said to his disciples, "Let us go to the other side." And Mark 5 verse 1 says, "And they came to the other side." What happened in the middle? Oh, just some storm, possible shipwreck, water in the boat, you know, all that. Let's go to the other side, and they came to the other side. Here's what I'd like us to do. It's a sober moment that's about to turn into liberty. If you've heard from the Lord this morning, I want you to come and just stand or kneel at this front for just a moment. And then we're going we're gonna to open our voices in just a moment to the Lord. It's not important to anybody else what you heard. What's important is you tell the Lord, I heard you tell me Jesus, 
Lord, just know 
guys, would you do this for me? Very reverently, would you just make your way back to your seats? Everybody remain standing. How many of the Lord did something in your heart today? In your heart. There's something about getting a word from the Lord. You may not make it to Burger King and the devil's going to challenge it. Okay. But God would say through his word to you, have I not spoken it to you? Will I not surely bring it to pass? The eyes of what picture it. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth just to show himself strong to the one whose heart is perfect before him. I by faith speak this over you. Help is not only on the way, it's here. Help is here. <laughs> I speak over you by faith that this darkness this night will soon give way to the rising of the sun. I speak over you that God will have his way in your life regardless come hell high water any demon any principalities any powers he would say over you from his word all powers bind in heaven and in earth and he's asking you this morning is there anything too hard for me is there anything too hard for me and against the backdrop of hopelessness he paints his most beautiful pictures God we worship your great name today we give you our praise, our gratitude, our thanks, our love. We honor you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you for your many blessings to us and for this timely word and season. I just give you praise, God, and I give you thanks for today. May your name be glorified in the midst of your people. In Jesus' name, you may be seated this morning. Ushers, if you will, will serve the church.